the amount that we spent on that whole year-long membership was six figures. And I said that, you know, what to me is, let's say the marriage part alone, what would that be worth it to me if I had a thriving, or at least it's, you know, kept our marriage strong, it saved us from potential, you know, separation down the road, um, gave us some more tools to love each other better and, and you know, be able to kind of like, be able to survive whatever kind of comes our way. I was like, what's that worth to me? And I was like, I was like, you know, I, I had some colleagues and friends who were going through some pretty, pretty difficult divorces. And I know how much those can be just alone. And I was like, oh, like looking back at like, how much would they have paid to like, just to have a, you know, I was like, I would spend millions. Hello and hola friends. Welcome to the Medicine, Marriage and Money podcast. The only podcast for dual physician couples who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a stronger and more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a life coach. Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome. Bienvenidos. I am here with my husband, Dr. Victor Mangona, as we welcome our guest, Dr. Peter Kim, on today's episode of Medicine, Marriage, and Money. Dr. Kim is an OB anesthesiologist, a serial entrepreneur, the founder of the Passive Income MD Empire, and Leverage and Growth Summit and Accelerator, speaker, blogger, podcaster, course writer, and has frequent cameos on TikTok. He is a father of two strong children and two cute dogs, and otherwise known as Mr. Vicky Chan Kim to his gorgeous and talented wife. Thank you so much for being with us today, Vic. Uh, Peter. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Let's keep this. Because- who you are? Uh, yeah. First of all, I'm so excited to be here. And yes, if, if that's all I'm known by as, as Mr. Dr. Peter, you know, husband to Vicky Chan, I, I'm more than happy with that. That's great. Thank you. Excellent. Okay. Um, so today we hope to just get a small glimpse into your life to better understand how you do it. And Vicky was on our show a few weeks ago and she suggested bringing you on as well to get the other side of the story. Yeah, she, she likes to sign me up for stuff without me knowing, but that's cool. I'm happy. That's okay. So tell us a little bit about your day by day, the structures and routines you have in place in your home or in your car or at work to support your family and your relationship. And I know things may have been different before the global pandemic. So feel free to tell us what has changed, how you have found, or maybe currently finding your new normal. Well, this thing has been changing constantly over the last couple of years. It's it's a little different because our schedules, well, at least my schedule is pretty erratic. I do OB anesthesia most of the time. So I would say 95% of the time I'm doing OB anesthesia. So those are shifts all over the place. They're 12 hours, sometimes 24 hours. And it's inconsistent like on a day-to-day basis. Whereas my wife, she works consistently, I think it's two days a week. And so, and I'm all over the place, but things have changed over the last year or so. I've really tried to cut back in terms of working, focus more on my businesses, find a more sustainable life, spend more time at home. And so I, I haven't worked too many nights. And so it's, it's been pretty nice because we've tried to arrange our shifts in a way that at least one of us is home or around like on any given day of the week. Of course, with, with pa- the pandemic and all that stuff, like we're all around all the time. And that's actually really good because we're at home. And so one of us is, is almost always around, right? Instead of having both of us kind of working at the same time. And so that, that's been difficult. Luckily, my family's very, very close by now. And so worst case scenario, we, we have them kind of as backup. But, um, but yeah, it's hard to say. It's, it's unpredictable. So the only way we kind of manage this thing is by having a shared Google calendar. Okay. And if it wasn't for that, there's just no way... Um, we'd be able to kind of handle things and know what, you know, each other's schedules are. Um, let me think. Yeah. Things have definitely changed with the pandemic, obviously, because you know the kids are at home. So I'm, you know, I try to, it was pretty good before because, you know, when the kids were at school or my wife was at work, uh, that's when I would try to do a lot of my businesses and kind of work on a lot of these ventures. The funny thing is now I'm ending up having to help, you know, with the homeschooling and stuff like that, but it's fun. No, I totally enjoy it. 
But I think the one thing that Vicky and I have really worked hard to do, and it's still kind of like an ongoing process, is how do we make sure that each of us has the time to take care of the things we need to take care of in our businesses and our ventures and that sort of thing. And so it's still a work in progress, but I think what we've done is, is done a lot of tag teaming. Okay. So I'm going to go for two hours, you know, at least relatively, you know, undistracted, uh, take care of some things, whether it's interviews like this or do other things. And then same thing with Vicky, I try to give her, you know, time in the afternoon to do what she needs to do. And I take the kids on, you know, go to the beach or go to the walk, you know, go on a walk or bike ride and that sort of thing. Um, that's a lot of stuff that I just told you. I don't know. I'm going to break that down a little bit. That's great. No, um, no, that's perfect. Yeah, I think Vicky talked about your parents moving down, and you know, um, I think we even touched on your live-in nanny who kind of helps with other things. So, but definitely wonderful to have your perspective. Um, tell us. Well, actually, we were talking to Vicky uh, two weeks ago about how you guys always just seem to have it together. Like she's, you know, all over social media and. And I mean, you're you're helping women through childbirth. You're hosting PIMD conferences in LA. You're continuously interviewing successful physician entrepreneurs to showcase them in your summits and groups and podcasts and blog. And you know, Vicky has all of her stuff that we talked about. Um, so how how do you make the strong, successful marriage part work too? Like, how do you make time for each other? As because you are working all the time, then you have to manage the kids. Yeah, that's definitely a challenge for us. I think that. You know, we've been married, I think we're going to be in our 12th year this year. And it's, it's definitely been, you know, trans, we've seen each other through residency, through this and that. We've been married through all of that. And so through each kind of stage, we've had to make adjustments. And I think that one of the biggest things we did last year is we went on, 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 a, on a marriage retreat. Like, you know, uh, what do you a couple like a couple's retreat last year in November? Movies on. Huh? Like there's movies about things like that. Like yeah, couples. yeah, like couples retreat. It was kind of like it was kind of joke like that, but we kind of joked that it was couples retreat, and, and that's what it really was. And it gave us a chance because you know once you kind of get in the hustle and bustle of everything, you have kids and you're trying to juggle your physician life and all these things. Like you just don't really get the time to sit back and say, "All right, like how can we actually optimize things?" Like you just don't have the time because you're always kind of surviving and you're just kind of like reactive to stuff. And so that was a chance for us to take a step back, think about like you know, think about each other, think about our marriage, like what do we want our lives to look like together? And then how do we kind of uh, make everything else kind of work around that? And so that was a big step for us. And one of the biggest things that we learned there, which again, we are still always working at is you have to schedule time in for yourselves. Otherwise you let the, the, you just become a victim to everything that's going on. And so if you don't schedule that time to be intentional, to spend time together, to talk about things, do these things, then it's so easy to just let that go. And uh, we've tried, we've tried that, especially throughout the pandemic, um, just because we had the time together and we just like, at the end of the day, you're just so tired and you're like, oh, you know, cause you've had the whole day trying to do all these things. But we started doing this thing um, and we've gone, you know, in and out of it. But we did, we started doing this thing was the moment we put the kids to bed and we were pretty good about putting the schedule them to bed at like eight o'clock. That's what we do. We put them to bed at eight o'clock. We said for the next hour, eight to nine was our time. Like, it's definitely a temptation for both of us. What, right when we put the kids to bed, for us to go to our computers, <laughs> like you know, it, it is like to go to computers. I want, I want to work on PIMD stuff or whatever, and she wants to work on social media stuff. Like it's such a like a natural. Like we just literally go to our computers right away, and we just don't talk. I mean, because we're so focused on working. But we made it like okay, eight to nine is our time to sit and do whatever. We went through this whole another marriage, um, like a video series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, she didn't mention good. So that's what we were doing, and like every day, just to kind of at least have some time to go and we talk about it. And I think that our marriage, like when we have those things, those like built-in habits, that's really when we find that we're we're closer. And you know, especially with everything that's going on, like we feel like, hey, at least we're like a unified kind of team, you know? Right. And so, can you remind us what was that called again? That uh, course you guys was it Ace or Kel? Yeah, it was, it was a course by Allison Armstrong. Allison Armstrong. Yeah, Allison okay. Armstrong. And she did like an understanding men and understanding women series. And uh, so it was, it was really good. Uh, it, it's kind of like the whole men are from Mars and women are from Venus. I think that it, it, it not everyone's obviously exactly the same, but at the same time, the more you hear about her talking about things and she's talked to thousands and thousands of people, you realize that your problems aren't that unique. Like, you think that like, oh my gosh, we, you and me, like, we just don't, we just don't get it. Or 
these kind of things, blah, blah, blah. But then, you you know, you hear other people like, oh, this is kind of like normal. Mm-hmm. And, and then you start kind of taking it a little less personally, which is kind of big because I think that's one of the big things. Like when somebody does something, this or that, like you just take it so personally, like, oh, they're just so like, you know, they don't understand what I'm doing. Like they're just so like this. But then you realize kind of they're wired that way. And that's kind of a normal reaction for them. They're not trying to make me feel this way or they're not trying to do these things. It's just that's just the way they kind of are. And of course, it's nice to come together and learn, but you take it a little less personal. And I think that's like one of the biggest things that we've kind of learned to do and something that we're always trying to work on is, yeah, let's just not take everything so deep, like personally and just be like, hey, let's let's figure out how to kind of find that common ground or kind of learn to accept kind of the, and that's also part of it, accept the way the other person kind of reacts and, and understand that it's still like, hey, they still love me. They still care about me. It's just, you know, they just react this way because it's kind of normal for them. <laughs> Right. Okay. I love that. And and you mentioned it's a work in progress. I mean, you've been married for what, almost 12 years, you said? And And how long were you together before that? Yeah, we were dating for almost seven years, six years, I think it's like about six or seven years. Half your life, basically. Yeah. When you think about it, we've been together that long. So it's been uh, a long time. So let's, yeah, let's go back to what well, okay, can, can we just back a little yeah. bit? You get your kids to sleep at eight o'clock every night. Oh yeah. This is like amazing. Are they sleeping or do you just put them in their rooms and then close the door and walk yeah. away? Yeah. I mean, they don't actually, they were really good about sleeping before. Now, of course, not the last. Our listeners, how old are your kiddos again? Uh, six and four. So we were pretty, Vicky's very like, like very, she's, I don't want to use the word militant, but very like structured and disciplined. Like, Hey, Bedtime, you know, we need to start getting them ready for bed at this time, and they're in bed by this time. And I think that's one of the. What time do you start? What's the process? Around seven to eight. That's the process, you know, in terms of like getting them to take a bath, brush their teeth, you know, story time, and these kind of things. And we've kind of kept it consistent from the time they were babies. And so we said, hey, if we don't get them to bed by eight, or at least in their room, then we're just not going to have a life. I mean, for us, for us, you know, and then we can't do stuff and. You know, we can't, well, before again, we can't go out and have dinner or like just at least go out and, and whatever it might be, go on a walk or, or that sort of thing. And so we get them in bed by eight or at least in bed. Uh, we hear them like, you know, they're, they're playing around because we have them sleeping in the same room. Um, and so they sleep together in the same bed, same room, and they just have a good old time and, you know, they'll come out and stuff like that. But we've made it pretty clear like, hey, you got to stay in your room after eight. Like, we don't care what you do there. Just like have fun <laughs> or whatever. Like the other day, like, yeah, the other day, like we hear all this like boom, 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 boom. They're all like blah, blah, blah. In the morning, we're, as long as they don't come out, we're fine. And in the morning, they're like, yeah, we just like slept on the ground. Like, you know? And so we're like, that's okay. Like, were you comfortable at least? Were you cold? They're like, no, we're fine. We're like, oh, whatever. Like, but as long as, they, you know, they're just having fun in their own room. And it creates boundaries at least so that Vicky and I can have our time together. So I mean, then what time are they actually up? Like if they're going to sleep at eight o'clock? They don't. We were, we were actually, again, we were really strict on when they could come out of the room. You can wake up, but you better, you can't come out of the room until we said seven o'clock. That's what we used to do. How did you reinforce that? Yeah. We just were very clear, like, Hey, this is not okay. And so just go back to your room. And what we did was we had, um, we didn't, you know, some people put those like locks on it. We didn't do that. We, we didn't, we, we didn't go that far, but what we did is we had a clock and Vicky, like it was a genius. She had this one clock that, you know, they can't read clocks at that well, when they were younger, right. and, but it turns a certain color. It's like yellow, but when they can come out of the room, it turns green. And so, yeah, yeah whatever that is. Cool. So we made it very clear from the beginning. They were little, you know, we started very early. Like you cannot come out of the room until this thing turns green, unless it's like an emergency. And, you know, they're not definitely relaxed now, but they still got in that habit of like going to sleep, at least in the room by eight and then coming out by seven or a lot of times it's 6.30, whatever. It's like this morning, for example, you know, I took them, they usually wake up around 6.30. Uh, I took the two kids for like a run this morning. Oh, wow. They run with you or you put them on the, on the jog? No, today, this is the first time both of them went with me. We actually go on like a jog. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I think I know what your new course should be. It should be. <laughs> How to get your kids to sleep and then wake up. <laughs> and wake yeah. up and go for a morning oh run. Gosh. Yeah. Okay, well, okay. I also wanted to talk about 20 or when was that 12 plus 7 19 19 years ago so when you and vicky first met um i want to revisit your first memories of her and 
tell me about the first time you two met and was it love at first sight? Oh yeah, it was actually, you know what? It was 2002. I do remember now. Okay. It's my second year of med school. So it was 18 years. So it, it was my first year of med school and sorry, the second year of med school and she was a first year. And, uh, and in medical school, in medical, medical school. We, were, we were in different schools. So, but we were in the same city. Uh, I'll, yeah, I, I was at, I was at Maryland. She was at Hopkins and I, I went to Hopkins for undergrad. So I had some friends who had moved on to Hopkins for med school. And I remember talking to them and I was the, at that point, like the president of this, like the Asian medical students association and AMA. A, uh, a, AMSA or something like that. I think it's a PAMSA, a PAMSA, A-P-A-M-A, yeah, Asian Pacific American yeah, medical Students association. And I had some friends who was, you know, the president of their chapter as well. So I said, why don't we just get our two groups together and mixer. A mixer. Yeah. I, I didn't expect anything of it. It was just like, Hey, let's just get together. And more like, I just want to take out my friends. I didn't really, it wasn't necessarily like, like who am I going to meet you or this sort of thing. And I definitely, I didn't think it would be like a dating type situation or, or that sort of thing. So yeah, we got together at one of my friend's house and she had this really, really cool house and like this like artsy district. She had a really, really cool old house. And so, um, with like huge chandeliers and all stuff, I was like, this would be a perfect place to do it. Let's just do it. And we set it all up and, um, yeah, we just, we just kind of got together and I just remember somehow I ended up, yeah, I don't know. She came to me. I, I, I do remember. She talks about this all the time. I was talking to somebody else. Uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I was talking to someone else. Uh, <laughs> and, and then she, I, I, I swear she just came up and kind of interrupted us. Like, that's what I remember. I, that's how I remember it. Anyways, she came and interrupted us and I was like, Oh, Hey, how are you? You know? And then we were talking and we hit it off pretty well. And there was good banter, just fun. And at the end of this thing, um, I, I forgot she was, they were going to a movie and we were doing something else. And I, I forgot, I, I wouldn't say I have a move or whatever. Eight mile versus yeah, yeah, Potter, thought, yeah, so. Oh yeah, that's right. We were both watching movies. She told you a story. So, but anyways, so I, I got to tell from my side, but for me, I'm like, yeah, she's, she's really cool. And I have some friends who know her. So I'm like, all right, I'll get a number. I'll, I'll get, I'll find a way to kind of get in touch with her. And I, you know, I wanted to kind of gauge interest. I said, Hey, let's hang out sometime. And she said, great. And I was like, okay, cool. In my mind, I'm like, okay, cool. I'll contact her later. And then I do remember she was like, well, and this is like back in the day of like, what were people doing to contact people yeah. at time of, of history? This is like, we had AOL I am. Are we talking phones. about Def, definitely, um, definitely instant messenger was there. I, I'm pretty sure we had cell phones at that time. Didn't we? Yeah. We had yeah. Cell Flip yeah. Phone. Flip yeah, phone. we had flip phone. Not, not iMessages at this time. No, no, no. We weren't there. But and then she was like, "Well, do you want my number?" I remember that. I was like, "Sure." And so uh, I took her number, and yeah, I mean, I think that we definitely had an attraction right off the bat. And I, I didn't know where to go, but I was like, "Yeah, let's hang out." And I asked her on a date a couple of days later, and yeah, the rest of history. Awesome. Okay. So, so yeah. And then you kept dating and, and how did you fall in love or why did you fall in love with Vicky? And are these the same reasons you are still in love with her? Yeah. That's funny. Um, I didn't expect to get this deep. I guess it's called marriage and marriage. I guess I should know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that, um, yeah, when I met Vicky, obviously she's beautiful. That was, that was, I was attracted to her right off the bat. And and also I just, we, you know, she could kind of give it back to me. You know what I mean? In terms of like, yeah, I was saying stuff and she kind of could banter. And to me, that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, that somebody, you know, she could handle, she could handle, handle what I was, you know, talking, saying, I was like, Whoa, she's got some spunk and she's got some energy. And you know, this is, this is somebody like, you know, is a definitely a, a I don't know, a worthy opponent. I don't know what, I don't know what you want to call it, but no, I yeah, it. exactly. And so I was like, this is, she's great. And so we just had a lot of fun talking and I, we just hit it off right off the bat. And so we had a great time. And I remember on our first date, um, yeah, I remember the first date. She probably tells you about this. Like I got my, I got my car towed on her first date. Yeah, and, she did. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was snowing. That's another thing. It was snowing. We go out to get go to my car and I'm like, it's been a great date. And I'm just like, I am good. I am so good. We had a great first date. We go out and there's no car. And I'm like, I can't, oh, what just happened here? And it's freezing cold. I think it's, I think it's snowing. It's something like that. And I'm like, oh, I'm such an idiot. And then I found out my car got, I parked in a place where a car got towed. I was like, there's no way our car gets towed here. I saw a sign, but I, I was like, no way. This is like in downtown Baltimore. It's like the Inner Harbor. Or? No, yeah, it's a little area. Uh, I forgot exactly. It's a little off the Inner Harbor, but a little trendy, a little area with a nice little cool little bar lounge. 
And I, I remember like, oh man, I'm such an idiot. But she was so cool through the whole thing too. She was just like, oh, it's okay. I had to, I had to call one of my buddies who came and he came in, uh, he had a jeep. This, this is before Uber. It's before, it's this before is, Uber. Right. And I don't know how to call taxi there. So my buddy come, one of my med school buddy comes in a jeep and he's got like just the, the, the hood on, but it's like <laughs> freezing cold. And, and so I have to drop her off and I drop her off and I was like, oh man, I am such an idiot. But I was like, she was just really cool through it. And the funny thing is that week I was so nervous. Like, I don't know why, but I, I lost my wallet that week. Like just that week, I couldn't find my wallet. So I remember I had to skip like a couple classes just to go get a new license. So I could, yeah, I, I, have the same yeah, I could drive her and that sort of thing. Uh, but I just thought she was just really cool and chill about the whole thing. And I just love that. And so that, that was a big thing for me. I was like, she knows how to handle pressure. She knows how to handle me. Like, this is me. That's the funny thing. At the end of the day, I looked at it. I was like, this is like the real me. I don't have to like act on like, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is me. And, and she was cool with it. And so from then on, honestly, we just, you know, we just kept seeing each other. You were being authentic, Peter. Yeah. I mean, even my second, I remember the second date, I think my second date is I was going to drop her off at the airport when she was going home for a Thanksgiving break or something like that. And I remember we were at the restaurant and then we're about to leave. And then like the, I think it was the waiter or something like ran up to me. and was like, Hey, you left your wallet. And I was like, Oh, see, like, I'm like, she's like looking at me like, Oh, and I'm like, yeah, again, this is me. So yeah, pretty much just like me. I don't even carry a wallet anymore. I'm past work. <laughs> If I have a wall, I'm just going to yeah. lose it. So I don't, I don't even bother. Yeah. We know we, we talked about our wedding story uh, last week. Oh, that's, that's a whole separate situation. Separate situation. Okay. I'm going to ask this one now. So going on from there, we fast forward like six years or so. Can you tell us the proposal story? Proposal story. Well, first of all, I should go back to that. She, did she tell you about how, how much we have to go through in our relationship to actually end up together? Did she tell you about no. our families and things like that? Like five, six no. years here oh, together. Oh no, she did not touch on any of that. I've, I know about some of it because of your TikTok videos, but you, yes, please. Oh, she explain. didn't talk about the, any of that because I mean, no. well, you're ahead, you're no. ahead of her first of all in medical school, she right? We, we so you're gonna finish. First. Yeah, I'm gonna finish first. But the big things were our, our, our families. We we actually ran into a lot of um, man. Now I'm, now I'm just letting everybody know about everything here. But we we actually had a lot of we had a lot of conflict because because of our families. Our families weren't necessarily they weren't necessarily in they were, they didn't give their approval necessarily for each of us actually to date each other. I think we, I, I hadn't dated a non Korean woman in a while. And she, again, she, again, she, they wanted her, she's, she's Chinese and I'm Korean. And most people outside of that think like, Oh, what's the big difference? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. It's all Asian. It's all the same thing, but yeah, but it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, there's certain European countries, so even though they're right next to each other, but small, I'm sure there's like, oh, you cannot. And then also there's certain cultural groups and then there's religious groups and that sort of thing. And so within even even groups and ethnic groups. So we actually, yeah, none of it seemed to match. I mean, I, I'm Korean. My family's Christian background. Her family um, is Chinese and more of the Buddhist background. And so there were some issues both, you know, ethnically, culturally, religiously, all these type of things. And so for a while, for a long while, we actually had a difficulty kind of getting our parents to say, hey, this is this is okay. You know, it didn't matter that we were both doctors, both accomplished, both these kind of things that we got along, that these kind of it, like almost none of that <laughs> mattered. Uh, the families just uh, had a hard time with it. And so we dated for a long time, just kind of under that umbrella or like under that kind of like cloud of like both of your parents were out of town right no i i lived right by my parents so i mean i mean i mean i went to school in maryland i'm from maryland and i didn't realize you were from there okay and so we had that situation pretty much up till let's be honest up to the point we actually got married <laughs> we had to deal with a lot of this stuff now can i ask uh sibling order wise where do you each fall in your families we're, we're both the oldest right that, that's like an extra added, especially in the Asian culture and that sort of thing. That's an extra added element of it. And so we had to date like that. But uh, I mean, that kind of really kind of forced us to think about it. Like, is this something that we really want to do? Is this something that we uh, should, you know, that, that we want? And it's funny because like, you know, the more, this, I don't know, now that I'm a parent, I kind of talk to other people. It's like, you know, the more you kind of like, like have your kids like resist certain things. It's funny because they're probably going to go the opposite way. So that, that may have also helped us get closer. The fact that our parents like weren't necessarily for it, it forced us to like even closer together in, in a way. 
And but you know, once we once we actually got married, once we got through all that, honestly, they just both sides have just been the most like loving and include you know inclusive, and it's just been it's been great since. It was just really working up to that point, getting to that point. Now that we have kids, oh, even better, right? Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Peter. You know, it's interesting. So this was back in what, 2002 through 2000. How long were you in Maryland? Till through 2008? Well, no, I was in Maryland until 2007. That's when we came to LA. We were both in Baltimore doing our, you know, medical school, uh, doing our, you know, did our internships there and then came over here for residency. Okay. I actually was living in um, a small town called uh, next to Rising Sun, Maryland. This is up I-95. This is the last city before you cross into Pennsylvania. That was where my first job was out of college, 2003 to 2004. Wow. Nice. Yeah, I used to go to, to, to Baltimore. That was when we'd actually be able to escape out of our one red light town and uh, go to like an Orioles game or something like that. Nice. So, yeah, so I used to go down there and also to D.C. Um, pretty, pretty frequently for that year when I was living out there. Um, okay, so now we fast forward to the proposal. So... Are you now engaged when you moved to California or did that uh, happen in California? No, the proposal happened in Baltimore before we left. I'm trying to remember exactly what, <laughs> I don't remember exactly what the date or, or year, was it 2006 or seven? 2007, I'm pretty sure 2007. Uh, it was before we left Baltimore. And yeah, I mean, it was pretty much, I, I try to keep it pretty simple, but, but sentimental. So I, I, I found that, you know, the house where we first met um, I remember just thinking like, that's like, the, it's just an amazing setting. And I think the show, probably the, the bachelor was big around that time. And so I'm like, I'm going to create a, a bachelor like set in, in that, in that house, bring her there by surprise. See if she obviously remembers that house where we first met, where it all happened. Uh, the funny thing is my friend was no longer living there at that time. So I'm like, how do I make this happen? And so I remember one day just, I, I went and I just literally knocked. I just went and I knocked on the door. Nice. You're like, you're like door knocking. Yeah, yeah. They weren't there that day. So I think I had to go back another day. And then I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say. But I knocked on the door and yeah, some, you know, some dude came out and I was like, look, this is going to be a weird story here. But my wife and I, we, we met and here and it's kind of a crazy story, but you know, I'd love to propose to her. Um, I'll obviously compensate you for cleaning your time, whatever the, whatever it was. And the guy was so cool. He's like, just let me know what night, like, we'll, we'll clear, we'll clear the place. And I was like, sweet. And so I remember thinking, I don't know how to make a set like the bachelor. They have like all candles all over the place and things like that. So, <laughs> yeah, with the rose. so I, I went on like Craigslist or whatever it was then I forgot. I think it was Craigslist. And I remember, I think I put a, um, an ad. Like I need a design, like a set designer or something like oh that. My and, and so somebody responded to me. I was like, look, I kind of want to like, kind of like the bat, just, just candles and stuff. This is, the room is like beautiful. So it doesn't need that much itself. And then they came in. And so I remember they set the whole thing up and hid in the back. And then I told Vicky, we're just going to a party and we're just going to party like in that area and district. And we, she asked what to wear. Yeah, exactly. She she was like, you know, she she actually no, she actually had it something she was gonna wear, and I was like, I knew that this was gonna there's gonna be some pictures. I knew I was gonna propose to her, so I'm like, I guess I didn't say it right. I was like, uh, is is that what you're gonna wear? I I don't remember exactly what it was, but I was like, I think you should wear this. You know, she's like, what? And I was like, yeah, I think you should wear this. She's like, why do you care? I was like, no, I just think like. I don't know. I'd just like you. And I don't know what it was. And I, I, she probably told you if she told you the story, then we actually started fighting about it. No, we actually, I don't think we even did, we did this story. She missed yeah, this. No, we didn't do this. Dude, we got to a fight about it. Like she's like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I just really want, and it was like, then we got in the car and like, we weren't even talking to each other. I'm like, this is great. I'm going to propose my wife. She's all pissed at me right now. And I think a lot of proposal stories actually begin like there's this. There's a lot of stress. <laughs> like people don't understand. There's so much stress in that moment. Just to make it perfect. Anyway, so yes, so we drove and we started walking and we were just like, she wasn't even like talking to me. We were upset. And then we got to the house and there were some candles in front. She's like, oh, okay, what is this house? Do you remember this house? She's like, mm. I, I don't remember if she actually remembered it or not, but I had to kind of tell her. And then she's like, wait, what's going on? And then I brought her in and it was like, you know, it was like candles. I was like, just come over here. And then I just proposed to her. And then we had, um, yeah, I had a lot of friends. Our, our, all our friends were waiting for us. Like at, 
Uh, no, at a like a lounge that we could like right right like one block over. And so we proposed and it told her let's go there. And then we had this and we had a big party with a lot of her friends and my friends. So that was fun. Wow. I was like, she's got to say yes. You know, I'm, all, I'm like, because all your friends are waiting. They're like waiting for like a, a message. Be like, um... yeah, exactly. They're all waiting for us. She's all pissed. I was like, there's a chance that this is gonna like not turn out very well here. And and I'm putting there's a lot of risk here. And so it all worked out though. And um, yeah, it went great. And we have some pictures of that. So you're both going to leave the state at this time. Like, were you like under the gun? You had already matched to go to California. And you guys couples match? Yeah, she's ophthalmology, so she's early. Oh, so match, I right. ended up taking a year off, and and then we ended up matching together. Uh, so you already knew you were both going there, but you weren't engaged when you went through that whole process. We weren't necessarily engaged, although we kind of told people we were engaged. I mean, we were, you know, we. Well, she was going to say yes. We were committed. We were committed because the problem is, yes, like you have to go through it, and we're not couples matching because she's ophthalmology, she's early, and we're later, so we had to figure we had to let people know we're serious and this or that. And so it ended up, we matched in California. So we knew we were going. There was somebody at that party where you originally met. Me Chang. Was it? And we just talked to. Sunny about her. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. That was her house. Yeah. Oh, Chang's house. Yeah. 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 Ho- okay. yeah. Cause we were on an interview with Sunny a, a few days ago and she, she brought up me Chang too. And, and you and Vicky. It's so funny how that all comes together. It's so funny how you guys know her. That's my med school classmate, by the way, for people who are listening. And that was actually her house where this happened. And so she always feels like, yeah, you know, that's like, she, she, she played a special. Yeah. She's a special part of our story. The room where it happened. Ah, yeah, the room where it happened. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the greens, talk about the money. Okay, so we got through all the lovey-dovey. Um, we both know that being on the same financial page with your spouse is key to making a marriage work and sustainable. How did you and Vicky get on the same financial page regarding spending, saving, and investing, assuming you are? Yeah, we're, we're not as in, intentional about it as like some people think we are. You know what I mean? I mean, just because I happen to be in the financial space and I talk a lot about this or that, people assume that, yeah, we've had all these discussions. I think from the very beginning, I, you know, for me, like I never grew up really being responsible with money. I never really, I would say I was never taught, but it's also, you know, you have opportunities to learn. I just didn't care. Um, I was probably the guy that, signed up for every single credit card for a free t-shirt. Like, it's just bad. I mean, it's literally a free t-shirt. I didn't care. I didn't care if the only ones they had size left was like double XL. Yeah, exactly. no, no, no. I would still get it. I would never wear it, but I would still sign up. I'll be like, hey, I got a new credit card. And I didn't understand. I mean, it's weird because it's so simple, but nobody teaches you these things. So I didn't really get the whole concept. I was like, yeah, you just pay off your interest every month and you're good. Like, I didn't really get the concept of principal interest and that sort of thing. And then back then we didn't obviously have online stuff. So I, I just didn't open up mail. So I, I would be late on all, I'd be paying late fees. Like you would not believe. And I became the king of like calling to beg for late fees off. Like I became very comfortable with that. Like <laughs> I still use that skill to this day if things happen. Right. All right. And, um, <laughs> yeah. But I was a king of that. And so I would have, you know, and so what happened was that sometime, I mean, I don't know, I'd have all these credit cards open, especially during college, spend it, just spend it poorly, get into debt. I remember that even like there are some credit cards that I would get for the free. Uh, you ever go to like Express back then, like a store or whatever? Well, I would get that. And then I'd like sometimes like the bill would come and then I'd forget that I even had that credit card. And pay. I remember, like, we, I had like two credit cards that actually closed down because of non-payment. And this is this is how bad I was. So I was in college, and my credit score was like horrendous. And I remember that I had, I don't know, like the number was like I had like over twenty thousand dollars just of credit card debt, like around that, like just carried it, you know, through into med school. And I just was like really irresponsible with it, and I just like didn't even, I would say, not, I didn't even care almost that I had that. Like it just was like normal because. I was like, that's what we do. That's what people do. They just carry debt on their credit cards and they pay the interest off and whatever. I mean, I, I didn't really know any other way. I never even talked to my parents about credit cards and these sort of things. But when I met Vicky, and I don't know how it came up or something like that, but it came up about credit cards and so that. And I was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, what? You don't pay them off every month? And I was like, 
wait a minute. What? I, was like, I was like, I was like, you pay them off every month? I was like, what's the point? And, and she's like, she's like, yeah, you get it. And then you just pay it off. And to me, that was like a completely foreign concept. I was like, I was like, I didn't know people do that. I thought you just like carry and you just carry the, like, why not? And, and then she somehow like, yeah, she converted me. And luckily what I was able to do was that when I had that year off, um, year off where I was ahead of her and I took the year off, I actually moonlighted quite a bit. I did, I did a bunch of different things that year. I worked in a, a lab. Um, I, I was a lab. No, I moonlighted. Remember, I got my bartending license. I did all sorts of random, like fun stuff, right? Between intern, intern year and residency. Okay. I took off in the hospital as like a, since I had my medical license at that point because I'd done a year, and then I, I did all sorts of things. Um, but I was able to create, uh, you know, make enough income so that I was able to pay off all my credit card debt. I bought the ring, and, and that was a great year. And so that year totally was a huge year for me in terms of transition from being what I consider like really, really irresponsible financially to like finally starting to grow up a little bit. And so that kind of helped me move forward from there. And from then on, honestly, from then on, I've always paid my credit cards like the month, like that money. Like I just set the automatic payment or like pay off the entire balance. And since that was like the biggest thing for her, like she just didn't want to kind of accumulate that debt. And it's almost like she didn't care about anything else. Like that, that was, yeah, that was the most important thing. Like don't have that debt like hanging over us the whole time. And so once we got married and that sort of thing, I think that um, for the most part, I guess I naturally gravitated towards handling the finances and she particularly didn't necessarily have an interest in it. And it's not like I love doing it either, like budgeting or this or that. But so we kind of like, we kind of just like, you know, we we're both working and we we're both working a lot in our residency. So it's not like we had all this time anyways to spend a whole lot of our money and you know we like to go eat but it's not like we ate extravagantly either just well we know several doctors who don't have time and still manage oh yeah yeah that's it's possible yeah don't get me wrong it, it is totally possible to do that but you know we liked walking around our neighborhood but you know going taking the dogs on a walk and that sort of thing and that was like our thing we go to starbucks and then we go to like a local restaurant or that sort of thing and so we were, we were pretty good about it and we just like naturally like always were able to make more or spend less than we made but we never were super intentional about it we never we weren't trying to save either though to be honest with you and okay. um and we just got through it and the thing is once we became attendings you know, the whole white coat investor, whatever thing where, you know, live like a resident. We didn't necessarily necessarily intentionally do that, but where we were living, we just stayed. So it's not like we moved into a new place immediately. We just stayed in the new place. I mean, in the old place, we didn't have kids at that time. And so we were both working as, you know, attendings and we were both pretty much working full time. And so now we were definitely spending less than we made. And so we even more didn't feel we need to have a budget. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but honestly, our lifestyle didn't change that much. We went on a few vacations, but we didn't go crazy. And, and that sort of thing. I kept my old car and she kept her car and we just were fine with that. And so nothing really changed until that situation where I started talking about where passive income and the kind of like the, the formation kind of like where it all started is when, you know, I was working and then I just became a partner at work. And that was like about two years into my practice. And I'm like, okay, my income is going to jump again. And so right. I was like all excited. And, but what happened at that time is that something's happened at work, politically at work, my boss. Okay. I don't want to go into it too much, but what I was promised in terms of partnership status, in terms of shifts and that sort of thing didn't materialize. And so I realized at that point, man, I am not in control of my time. I'm not in control of my schedule. Like what was promised, like life is different. You know, like you think like you're set and you're good. I became an attending. Everything's going to be good. I'm like, whoa, whoa, somebody's in control of my time. Somebody's in control of my income. Somebody's in control of my life. And so that's when I kind of was like, all right, I'm going to figure something else outside of medicine to make sure that, hey, financially, I'm not relying on it. And that's when I started going around the hospital, started asking, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, if I was working with you, Victor, like today, I'd be like, Victor, what are you doing? You know, I'd see like, Victor's doing some, some interesting stuff out there. So I'd be like, Victor, do you mind telling me, like, how are you living the life that you live? And, and what are the things you're doing? So it felt weird. But as an anesthesiologist, you're in like a bunch of different rooms. I'm working with GI folks, ENT surgeons, plastic surgeons, and whatever. And you can tell who the happy ones are and who seem to have the good life. So I just started asking people and it just turns out the majority of them were investing in real estate. And so that's where I started diving in. That's kind of where all of that whole thing started. 
And at that point, like as a baseline, to be honest with you, financially, we were okay. Uh, we were making good incomes. We weren't spending a lot. But in terms of like a retirement plan, we had very little to no retirement plan. I mean, we were in, just whatever my financial advisor was telling me, you know, invest your 50000 a year in your 401k. That's all we were doing. And we weren't budgeting. And we were just, you know, we're just trying to just have a good life. That's all it was. All right. And how many years ago was that that uh, you came up and became partner? Uh, 2013. So about seven, seven years okay, ago. So that, no, seven years ago now. Now, regarding, I mean, the shifts were not as what you expected, but did the compensation come in what you expected it to be when you became partner? Yeah, so there were definitely there was some more compensation, but I, I had expected more in terms of more allocation of shifts. So yes, it was better. But more allocation, like getting more, getting more. What I was getting paid per shift was the same. But what I, again, the type of shifts, like in terms of day, night versus and the number of shifts were different. And so it wasn't quite where I expected it to be. The funny thing is I had no idea, even with the type of income, I didn't really even have a plan for what to do with the money. So I didn't read, you know, these blogs. There's no blogs. Maybe there was a blog at that time. Maybe White Coat was around then or whatever, but I wasn't reading anything financially. Yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't interested in all that stuff at all. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I was not interested in any of this finance stuff. I mean, I uh, to this day, I still hate like if, when you get those letter bills, like, you know, in the like uh, I just like that. It's like I just can't open those things. Like I just don't enjoy that aspect. I don't enjoy budgeting. And to me, I would tell my wife, I was like, I will never, ever, ever have a tight budget. Like that's just not where I want to be. You know, that's not the kind of life I want to live. So I better guess what? I better make a lot more money than I spend. And just like, and I keep that buffer, you know what I mean? Um, but I, I'm not going to have that type budget. And so I've never held my wife to that type budget. Um, I mean, do you want us to talk about like the way we've set up our accounts and stuff like that? <laughs> Is that what we're going to? So, uh, yeah, sure. Like, do you, I guess I have a joint account for everything or do you guys do uh, discretionary accounts? Uh, like we, we transitioned last year to all of our paychecks just going directly to our brokerage account. So it doesn't even go to our checking. Uh, and then we just transfer money in you know, PR. I mean, we touched on this with Vicky a little bit because, you know, she buys, she likes bags, right? And she doesn't. Oh, interesting. Yeah, she, um, okay. You know, we, we've, we've gone back and forth on how we set that thing up because I definitely wanted a thing where we both had funds that we spent without guilt. You know what I mean? We're both working and I don't want to know exactly what she spends it on or do I really want to, I really care. I mean, that's not, again, that's not the type of life or marriage that I want to have either. And so we, in the beginning, what we were doing was that we had like a central account and then we each, that everything came into and all the bills were paid out of that. All the expenses were paid out of that. Everything from retirement accounts, we'd go to that from that. And then we each had our own separate checking accounts as well, that every month X amount would go to that checking account as well. So then however you want to spend that is however you want to spend it. And we're, that's the way we were doing it. Like if she wants to spend all that money on on handbags for oh, you. Oh yeah, have. if she wants to spend it on me, that's fine too. But you know, I didn't necessarily materialize. <laughs> yeah, but and that way we could spend without you know nobody really caring and, and doing it. And so that's the way we had it going. Um, to be honest, right now I I don't really transfer. I just spend out of the main account probably, um, and she she still has her own account, and but you know she has her paycheck pretty much. I know. Is that going to ours and going to hers? I mean, either way, she has enough in there to spend how she wants. <laughs> That's what matters. And and honestly, like I, I I don't worry about it. You know, she's really good about it, and she's smart about it. And that's the one thing is that I, I've learned over time is that she's responsible about it, and she's one of those people that will find good deals. She'll go and hunt for good deals, and she sells stuff, and trades, and barters, and like she's really savvy about it. Like finding bags at a good price she's not she's okay with finding them some of them happen to be used maybe or that sort of thing or and but then she sells her other ones at like gains yeah appreciated values too so i'm like it's kind of like a mini business and so it, it's like go for it you know and she enjoys it you know and so and she actually obviously she uses it for her tiktok and that sort of thing so i'm like this it's like kind of a business expense i think it should be at the end of the day so uh well yeah i mean it, 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 it make it, it it makes her, uh, I mean, she's got a good following online. So, and that makes money, right? So ultimately um, those things do sell. So like when you go to Tony Robbins trips and things like that, which are obviously a significant uh, dollar figure, how, how, how do those things work? Do you, uh, that just comes out of your business 
Um, cause those are, those are, those are some big costs that I haven't quite got my mind, my mind around yet. Yeah. So some of the things that I, I've really focused on in the last year, year and a half are, is kind of like stuff around self-development and self-development, but also personal development and marriage development. I guess that's what, where all these things are coming in. And one of the, you know, I've done, I've hired a coach, hired a coach in the past to help with all aspects of my life, whether it's business relationships and that sort of thing. And that was, I did that for a year and that, that was money well spent. In my opinion, that's an investment. And I benefited from that multiple times over. There's no doubt in my mind that that was worth it. And I'll continue to do that probably for the time, you know, for the rest of my life. And I think that like, I didn't think I needed a coach. You know, I think most people don't think they need a coach, but then when you look at like, you know, professional athletes who are the best at what they do, every single one of them has a coach. I promise you every single one, well, pretty much every single one has a coach. Why does Tiger Woods have a swing coach? Why does these, like, you know, why does Jordan have like, you know, a shooting coach, you know, or whatever, or a trainer or whatever. So it, it's that you, everyone needs somebody outside of them to kind of like, at least show them what they're doing, doing what they're not doing right, motivate them. Cause there's things you just don't see. And so uh, once I realized that that's an important part of my life, I decided to say, Hey, this is going to be part of our spending. This is going to be a part. And I see it less as like a spend versus an investment. And so one of the things I did do uh, in addition to having a coach was join this like community. Uh, yes, it was a Tony Robbins community, but um, with a bunch of different events, uh, also, inv- inc- you know, included some coaching involved in some trips involved this marriage thing as well. Um, to me, actually, when I talk to people about joining this community and some of these actually events that people go to, it's some, I talked to a couple of married couples who had done the, the relationship, relationship event. Was just, and they were like, dude, you don't understand. This was a game changer. We were on the verge of divorce. We were on the verge of, we weren't, we were like two, you know, people, separate people living in the same house. And they're like, this totally blew it open. This relationship, just t- spending that week there working on our marriage and relationship, talking about things we had never talked about before. And like, nobody teaches you these things and like the power of it. And they're like, you know, now we have like a thriving marriage relationship. And I was like, I want that. It's not that a relationship was bad. But it was just kind of like you just it just evolves into what it is. And so I, I told myself, I go, look, yes, the amount that we spent on that whole year long membership was six figures. And I said that, you know, what to me is, let's say, the marriage part alone, what would that be worth it to me if I had a thriving or at least it's, you know, kept our marriage strong? It saved us from potential, you know, separation down the road, um, gave us some more tools to love each other better and, and, you know, be able to kind of like be able to survive whatever kind of comes our way. I was like, what's that worth to me? And I was like, I was like, you know, I, I had some colleagues and friends who were going through some pretty, pretty difficult divorces. And I know how much those can be just alone. And I was like, oh, like looking back at like, how much would they have paid to like, just to have a, you know, I was like, I would spend millions. Like, I don't know, like at the end of the day or whatever. So I was like, you know, to me, if like this alone is worth the investment, that's alone. So, so I, I had no problems putting that money down. And, and to, but the cool thing is through a lot of the stuff we do is a lot of business related development and a lot, a lot of it's business oriented. And so those actually run through my business and, and that part I do as a business expense. So that helps. Um, but yes, so we spent like that. And so Vicky, uh, I, I had to obviously run it by her and I don't know if I told you a story, but she told you a story, but you know, in short, I had this great idea that I'm going to do this, that I wanted to do this. She was away. I remember when I decided this, she was in New York. I'm in LA. I, my voice is pretty much gone and shot because I had been a Tony Robbins yelling. Like I was like screaming and yelling for like three days and just doing all this amazing kind of like, you know, stuff. And so I didn't have much of a voice. And I remember I'm texting her or calling her and being like, hey, uh, I'm thinking about joining this uh, thing. And it's a year long membership. And um, I think it'd be amazing for a relationship. And our, my business is blah, blah. She's like, how much is it? I'm like, you know, I told her the amount. She's like, no, nah, we need to talk about this. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking, I, you know, she's like, I mean, we need to talk about this. I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to do it. She's like, I think we need to talk about it. Let me come home from New York and let's talk about it. And, and so I came home, we talked about it. And I really kind of told her my reasons why she saw a lot of the passion behind my, my reason and everything comes out to a reason why. Right. And so, you know, she, she saw it and she, you know, was like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to support you on this. And 
I didn't expect it to go that well. And she supported me. And I think like that's been, a, I mean, it's, it's definitely benefited both of us. And that's a huge thing. And I'm glad she put her trust in me and supported me through it. And she's been that way through the whole time, through all these different businesses. Like there's no way I could have absolutely done any of these things without her support because it takes away a lot of time from her, takes away a lot of time from the family. You know, are there some financial risks? Yeah, some of it has been some financial risks as well. Uh, not a lot. I've tried not to, you know, I've always stayed working as a physician so that she feels comfortable <laughs> that I'm not, you know, there's always going to be food on the table and I'm, you know, continue to do this. And I've only decreased my physician time and clinical income as these other things have grown, whether it's the real estate investments as well as the, the businesses. But yeah, she's totally been a support for me and she's also found her own things too through this. So it's just been a fun journey. Awesome. Awesome. So do you have any like regular uh, monthly or yearly rituals that you do with, with Vicky that helped for your marriage other than just the, the, the daily hour, which is, which is awesome after bedtime. But aside from yeah, that. Yeah, I think what we're going to do, and we hadn't done this before, but I think that instead of just going on, you know, we've gone on like a vacation, just us two, which is great. Like a three, like a, like a weekend getaway or something, you know, but it's been helpful, right? Just for her and me, like we just go and, you know, go down not too far from here or something like that. And maybe just go and, you know, lay by the pool for a weekend just to kind of decompress and all that's all good. But I actually think it's actually better if we make that time a lot more productive. Like we'll still do that too. But I, I've really said to ourselves, like we can, and unfortunately what happened this year is we should take a week every single year, just me and her to work on our relationship. Like literally go to something that's a little bit more structured to kind of like bring these topics up, bring these discussions up, talk about it, figure game plan out, these kind of things, make sure we're united front. And that's something that I want to build in as habits and rituals. And that's another thing, just overall, like habits and rituals, like you have to build that in to be successful. Like whether it's you want to be healthy, you've got to build in habits and rituals. Like, and we're so good at doing that. Like you got to work out. People just do it. Blah, blah, blah. But when it comes to a lot of our marriage and relationships, like we just, I asked my friends about it. Like, and something, it's just like the same thing with me. Like none of us build in habits or rituals to make our marriage go well. Like, it's just like, it's just, we just try to survive every day. And so. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm memorizing everything. Okay. So, like, unless you do that, and it's not like we do it perfectly every time because we forget about it because during a stressful period in my work or business, like, I forget like eight o'clock, I just go straight to my computer. Like it's just so no normal and habit or on your Google calendar. No, we don't schedule it out. We probably should, but we go back to it and be like, Hey, let's go back to that time again. You know? And we kind of have remind ourselves. And, but then we will also do that uh, to me, like if it wasn't for this year, but starting next year, I've already got it. kind of like next year, we'll go to another couple retreat next year for sure. 2021. Um, hopefully, to bring up, bring guests. Tony Robbins. Uh, I think that one will probably be the similar, the same Tony Robbins, but, but I'm open to it. It doesn't have to be Tony Robbins. Like I, I found that just works out really well for us and the, the people and kind of the message and that sort of thing. But I'm totally open to other types of things. And like Alison Armstrong's like fantastic. Um, you know, there are a lot of other type couple type stuff and I'm looking for, you know, uh, resources. If anybody has it, uh, I'm totally open to that stuff and, you know, reading books and stuff like that. So I can always get better. You know, she. So, regarding um, habits and rituals, tell me about your miracle morning. Uh, my miracle morning—it's changed, and actually, during the time of COVID, it's definitely changed. And it's funny because even when COVID first hit, I was pretty bummed. I was pretty bummed because I had a lot of—we had a lot of vacation plans. Uh, you know, financially, a couple of things fell through because of COVID. Some of the, you know, financing and some of the loans that I was supposed to do for certain of properties and things like that. And I was like, this sucks. <laughs> and I'm sure everyone felt the same way. And I was pretty bummed about it. And I sat there for a couple of days. And then I remembered, I don't know, I guess this is when the training kicks in, when you do some of this Tony Robbins type stuff or do that. And it's kind of like you are in control like of how you react and feel to a certain situation. And in the best way to change that is to change what they call your state meaning that they change your body, change your activity, change this stuff. It's like, you know, you feel good when you just like you move your body and you do these things. And that's like one of the first tips that, you know, we learn is like change your state. Like if you don't like where you're at and you're not feeling good, get up, move around, like do the things that make you feel good and happy. Like for you, like some people, like if they feel their happy place, like for surfing or whatever, they're in bum state, go surfing, like whatever, like just like find that happy body mind place. So for me, like 
I just had to get my body moving. And that's what I realized. So I just like one, one morning, I was like, tomorrow morning, I'm going to run. And I hate running. Like, I just hate running. And I'm like, for some reason, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get up and just try to run a mile. I don't know why. I was just like, I'm just going to get up and do it. So I just got up and I ran and I put audio tapes or whatever, like, you know, not audio tapes, like, you know, podcasts or whatever, like in my mind, like self-development. And I just started running and I just started like, you know, it's like, you are in control, you know, you're on this type of stuff. And then I just kept doing that day after day after day. And then it's weird. Like you just start feeling better about it. You see your day differently. And so what I started doing in the mornings was that I would run about two miles. So I'd run about two miles and then, well, run, walk, run. <laughs> That's the thing, right? Uh, run, walk, run, uh, about two miles. And then I'd spend a little time in meditation. Uh, again, I've never done meditation before, but it's not like the classic meditation where you just sit there and be quiet. It was kind of like a more like guided meditation where it's kind of like the first thing you do and yes, it was a Tony Robbins. I just like feel weird when I like name that, you know, try, I just say that name all the time. People are like, you are in a cult, but it's not. Like, <laughs> but like, I just like, I just learned a lot from him. But it's funny. The funny thing is like, when you listen to a lot of these other self-development people, they all learn from him, which is kind of funny. They've all learned from him. So it's kind of the same principle. So whether it's like, you know, um, you know, Brooke Castillo from Life Coach School or these type of people, they've all kind of come in under that. And so I, I say him, but it's, you know, these other principles I've learned from other people as well. And so I just spent like, I just spend the first like five, 10 minutes of my meditation in like gratitude. So I think of three things that I'm grateful for. That's what I do. I spend three things that I'm grateful for. I, and I don't just imagine it. I just say it. You actually try to put yourself in that time. Like it's like you're like morphed, like you're seeing through your own eyes that time. And I always think about, you know, one of the times I think about is like my kid was being born or like something that happened the day before, like I took him to the beach and you try to like get in there and imagine that emotion. Because what they say is like, when you imagine, like when you like put yourself in a like moment of gratitude, like you can't feel fear. Like it's, it's just those two things like don't, can't coincide. Like at the same time, like exist at the same time. Like anxiety, like goes away when you're like in gratitude. So I know we're running out of time, but um, so I do that. I spend some time in gratitude. Then I spend some time just kind of like in quiet breathing. And then I think about three things that I want to get done. Like, like it doesn't have to be that day, but just like, you know, when I want to accomplish. And I just put myself in that state where I feel like I've accomplished those things mentally, physically, and I feel great about it. And then how do I feel? And I put myself in that position and then I go start my day. And then I feel like, boom, I'm ready to go. I'm in control. And that's how I spend my morning. And that's like totally shifted things, especially during COVID. And you take your kids on those runs with you sometimes. I started now taking my kids because my daughter wants to go. It screws up my whole meditation, but (laughs) whatever. (laughs) But I try to take them when I can. And it's so cute. I mean, I love seeing it. And I teach them the same type of things. I try to do the gratitude. I'm like, all right, let's think about something. But, you know, I I try to get them. And um, that's one of the things we do in the morning with them, too, that I, I haven't been great about doing now is we do morning like incantations with our kids. Like I literally put them in front of the mirror. And like, this is what we used to do right before we used to go to school when we were brushing our teeth. They brush their teeth. I have them look at the mirror and I have them say like, um, you know, I'm brave. I'm beautiful. Like, I am respectful. I am, I can do anything I put my mind to. And I've had these kids doing every single day. When I fall down, I get back up and I tell them that, you know, they have to say their name and, you know, get them powerful because these things get ingrained in their mind. And now even today, like when my kid falls, you should say, my kid falls, I just wait, they get back up and they go, when I fall down, I get back up. That's what they say. So it's like, like it's funny how it kind of gets wired in them at an early age. And so like all these type of morning rituals, like I'm just trying to get better at it and, and you know, do these things. And so that, that's been a big part of our life. Yeah, I love that's it. pretty awesome. Do your kids talk about going to Tony Robbins too? Um, no, they have no idea what that is. They, they, uh, they no, they've, they, <laughs> they've seen them on the screen. Uh, because there was like a virtual event recently. Um, they see him on the screen and then they see another one of his partners. And yeah, yeah, they like, they, they call it, they call it like your Zoom, like your class, because they're used to Zoom classrooms now. I thought, oh, are you going to yeah, do your yeah, Zoom yeah. classroom on that? I'm like, yeah, no, but um, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> it was the virtual event as good as the in-person It was different, or? not quite the same, but it was still very powerful. Okay. And, but but it's a lot harder when you're like, I think immersion is, that's another thing. I think immersion is key. When you do anything, like you got to, you got to immerse yourself to really get the benefits of it. Just like, like when you learn a language, like, yeah, you can go to class every once in a while, but if you get dropped, you know, in, um, wherever that might be Spain, Italy, and you get dropped in there for a couple of months, you're going to come out much different in terms of your learning and that sort of thing. And so going to these events, going to these, one thing like couples retreats versus like, oh, we'll just take a, a, a session here every month. Like, 
there's a very big difference going for seven days and just like, you know, getting it done. Um, but uh, it's hard to do that when you're doing it virtually at home and your kids are climbing all over you. But yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, takeaway points. Any any last final important things you think you want the audience to hear? We've gotten like so much gold out of this hour. I, I, I didn't come on here thinking I'm the expert in this. So I like to give people advice. I'm just letting people know what we do. Um, I, I think that, uh, yes, it's constant work in progress. And I think one of the biggest things for us in terms of our marriage and, and that sort of thing is, yes, spending time to realize and understand, try to understand that the person, what they're doing most of the times, it's like, it's normal. We're all trying to do the best that we can with what we have. We're, we are. Like, like it's not like when we when I do something wrong, she does like, like, I'm not trying to hurt, like, None of us are trying to do that. We're all trying to do the best that we can, that we know, like in our minds. And sometimes it doesn't mesh, but if we can start to kind of figure out, hey, that's like, you know, them. it doesn't mean that, you know, it's, it's them trying their best. And ultimately, if we can learn to understand each other better, then, then, then we'll do well. So that's like, that's my biggest thing that we are constantly working on, on a daily basis. Yay! Well, thank you so much, Peter. We loved it. People are going to love this. All right. This. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. This was fun. Take home points from Dr. Peter Kim. Number one, be with someone who can handle the real you. And in return, accept your spouse for the real them. We are all trying to do the best we can with what we have. So be understanding. Number two, your problems are not that unique. Think you have a unique or different problem? Just ask your friends, ask your family, ask people who you don't even know, ask more people. If you haven't found somebody with your same problems, you're not asking enough people. Number three, build up habits and rituals for a successful marriage the same way you would build up habits and rituals for a healthy you. What do you do when you want to get fit, eat healthier, become a physician? You build up habits to study hard, sleep, go to the gym, right? So if you're doing all that to make yourself healthier, more intelligent, be the person, the physician you want to show up as, why not do that for your marriage? Interesting, right? Number four, spend time daily in gratitude. And I mean, visualize yourself in that moment. Don't just say the word or think about the memory as a faraway detail. Actually imagine yourself in that place where you feel in no gratitude. Because when you do that, it's really a hard to be sad or have another feeling besides what you're feeling gratitude for. Number five, immersion is key. If you have a goal, if you want to achieve something, whether that be for your career, for your marriage, for your bank account, or your confidence, immerse yourself in that material with like-minded people. Listen to podcasts, read books, read articles, go to the country, go to the place where those people are hanging out. We may not be doing it in person, actually, in the times some places are still dealing with COVID right now, but immerse yourself somehow virtually. Your life, your goals, your marriage, your money, everything. It's just a work in progress. So immerse yourself and be that person you want to become. Hang around those people you want to become. Immersion is key. Thank you so much, friends, for spending another hour of your time with us here on Medicine, Marriage, and Money with Dr. Peter Kim and his valuable 
insights that he shared with us, I hope that you walk away asking yourself, what type of marriage do I want? What types of habits can I form now to build up my marriage skills? Because they are skills. Which hours of which days each week can I dedicate to spending with my spouse and only my spouse? How will I practice accepting my spouse for who they are the same as I practice accepting myself for who I am, loving my spouse and loving myself? And that's it. Go fly away, be free, love and be loved in this world. I appreciate you guys more than you can ever know. Please subscribe. If you haven't already subscribed, share this with a friend. If you think that they could just take one thing away from this interview with Dr. Peter Kim or any of these episodes you've listened to, please leave us a review and we and, and reach out to us. Reach out to me on medicinemarriageandmoney.com. I am always looking for people to talk to. And as you guys probably already know, I am in the life coach school right now, studying to become the best life coach that I can ever dream of becoming. And in order to do that, I have to practice coaching on real people. And you can be one of those real people. So please reach out to me on my website on Facebook, on Instagram, TikTok, you know where to find me and join my Facebook group, Medicine, Marriage and Money, if you're a physician. Um, And if not, I'm on all the other places too. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much and so much love to you and your spouse. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.